Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shyhards welcome to episode 72 of meet us at molly's tonight we are gonna recap an oldie but goodie we're gonna do chicago pd season 2 episode 10 entitled shouldn't have been alone this is the one after burzik burzik after burgess is shot (laughs) clearly we all know what's on gina's brain tonight i know i got the burzik feels i got the burzik feels i'm ready i'm totally ready well it's not just the burgess feels i'm like i'm ready to like pounce on a certain character whose name rhymes with schmoman all right so as always we like to start with the news and that's what we're gonna do tonight and now that we're getting back in the swing of things we've got news which is exciting so Brenna, will you please take us through the first story Yeah, so the first thing is we got a little bit of casting news. Um, Deadline reported earlier this week that Molly Bernard and Colby Lewis are both um, set to recur in season four of Chicago Med. So Bernard will play Elsa Curry, an intelligent, know-it-all, intense, and overconfident med student. She's the shiniest penny in every room and is not shy about letting you know it. Her impatience and arrogance may be grating at first, but she has a bright future of medicine ahead of her. And then Lewis will portray Terry McNeil, a star football player who gave up a lucrative deadline wrote NHL contract. Still not sure if that makes him a football player or a hockey player, but (laughs) either way, some athlete um, to go to medical school. Um, Like Elsa, they're both third year medical students who are starting their clinical rotations. So that's really exciting. I know Gina and I, as soon as I saw this, I said it to Gina. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. This is, like, the best casting notice ever because we're both really big fans of Younger. And Molly Bernard is on there as Lauren. And she's incredible. And she's even more fabulous in person. And I just love Molly Bernard. So I'm super excited about that. And then also in the Deadline article, it has Colby Lewis listed as, like, his most notable thing being One Tree Hill. So Gina, you texted me and you were like, what was he on One Tree Hill? I was like, I don't know. Let me go look it up. And he was just on there. I guess he's just a, I mean, he seems to be a brand new actor. Like when he was on One Tree Hill, he was a student. Like that's the title of his role. So literally he was not really on One Tree Hill. Um, But yeah, so he seems to, I mean, he only had like three things on his IMDb page. So pretty much a brand new actor. So this is a good role for him. Um, And I'm just really excited about those characters. Like, from the descriptions, they sound awesome. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see Molly flex a different acting muscle. Because the early we know her as Lauren on Younger. And Lauren is just, Lauren's special. She's a very unique, she's a firecracker, and she's funny. So to see her play Elsa, this new med student who is just whip smart, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, but I do think, I mean, it is, Carolyn point, replied when we posted it on Twitter, she made a reply that I feel like is very valid, um, a valid point just to bring up. So, I mean, she had pointed out, she said she kind of reminds me of, from, of Petra from Jane the Virgin, eh, I guess, but I'd have to see it the character play out before. I guess I also just picture Molly as Lauren, so I don't think of her as Petra from Jane the Virgin, but 
We'll see how Elsa plays out. But Carolyn brought up the point. She said, I don't like new characters when we already have about, you know, 10 or so to focus on already. It's a valid point. But I think at some point, too, I mean, new characters have to come in and bring in new... They bring in new energy and they bring in new storylines and new things that allow us to learn about the characters we already love and want to know more about anyway. So I think, I mean, you can't say... You can never not have new characters because they, you know... What's the fun in that? Correct. As much as I do want to learn more about our characters on Med, but, like, we also have to have new characters. Because they're going to, I mean, they're without a doubt, they're going to bring out something in all of these characters that we already know and have established, so. Right. Right, right. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, I'm if only so the excited. Med cast would post more on social media. Yeah. No, but I'm really excited, especially because Molly wasn't at ATX this year. So I didn't get to, we didn't get to see her. No. I, I've actually never interacted with her. Not that I've interacted with anybody from the younger cast, but I did get to see them in person for the first time this summer. So I got to interview her last year and she's the sweetest. Awesome. So awesome. So the second story that we have for news is actually a really, really cool one. I'm, I was really excited when I read this today. Monica Raymond, our own Gabby Dawson, she was named part of the Female Forward Directors Initiative inaugural class. Now, this is something that NBC is doing. And basically, the Female Forward Initiative, it aims to increase female representation in the director's chair by providing talented female directors with the experience and connections they need to launch and sustain their careers. Finalists will shadow experienced TV directors on up to three episodes of the NBC series in which they've been paired, culminating with an in-season commitment to direct at least one episode. So each director in this class of finalists, they were, or each director selected was paired with an NBC program. So Monica's actually going to stay on NBC, or she's going to stay with an NBC, but she's also going to stay within the Wolf Pack because her show is Law & Order SVU. Awesome. That's so cool. So, so cool. But this also means that we will also have three female directors on the Chicago shows at some point this season. So we've got Daniela DiCarlo. She will be pairing with the directors on Chicago Med. We've got Olivia Newman pairing with the directors on Chicago Fire. And then we've got Christine Swanson pairing with the directors on Chicago PD. This is fantastic. I think it's so cool. So, so cool. So, I, yeah, I'm really excited to see I, how this develops. Yeah, and I just think it's cool because I was reading a little bit more about it, and I think it's so cool that it's a way to get – I mean, I was reading, like, they can't – the directors, so it was within, like, a group of, like, a 1,000 applicants or whatever, these – I think it was maybe 10 or 12 of them that were, like, in total selected. Um, so out of a 1,000 applicants – and they had to have some kind of directing experience. So whether it's like feature film, music video, short like film, all that stuff. But they could not have directed more than one episode of television. Because the point is they want, you know, they're trying to get, at, you know, these people into television directing. So they couldn't have had that kind of experience. So they really wanted newbies to like use that as a way to like get them in and funnel them into the system. And I just think it's such a cool idea. So cool. 
Because we need more women behind the camera. We need more women in the industry, period. But yes, definitely behind the camera. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations, Monica. You badass you. Yeah. For sure. So as always, you know, if you guys see anything on the internet or any news at all, send it to us. (coughs) Sorry, I'm like losing my voice over here. Um, Yeah, if you see any news at all, always send it to us. We're around. You know how to reach us. Facebook, Twitter, email, carrier pigeon, text, whatever. So that's about all we've got in terms of news. And yeah, I think we can jump into the episode. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I'm really excited. I'm excited too. Okay, so (laughs) as we said before, this is Chicago PD season two, episode 10, entitled Shouldn't Have Been Alone. This is basically the episode after Burgess is shot. Let's start off and do this. Okay, before we jump into this, now we put up a tr- we put up a poll on Twitter on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday? What's today? Whatever. We- Today's Wednesday, yesterday, Tuesday. Yeah, yes. so we put up a poll on Twitter earlier this week asking about how y'all felt about Roman. Did you love Roman? Did you hate Roman? And it came out pretty split, but the final result was like, I think it would have 52 to 48% split and 52% yeah. loved him. Okay, if y'all are listening to this tonight expecting us to be nice to Roman, you may want to not listen. Um, <laughs> we're going to be honest. It's just, it's just, this. that's what's going to happen. It's just, we're going to be, this is our honest opinion. I don't know. I'm trying to like butter it up and just kind of, it's not going to work. We should just probably dive in. Okay. Yeah. Let's start this way. Bryna. Say one nice thing that you liked about Roman. Go. One nice thing? Um, give me a second. I didn't think I was going to have to say anything nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. As, as annoying as he was, and like for all the other things that we're going to talk about him and the reasons we don't like him, I will say I appreciated the passion that he had for the job and that he had for being a patrolman and the importance of being a patrolman versus being in a special unit of some sorts. I think that is, it doesn't go, it, some, watching this episode and like seeing him back on patrol and that part of it, it made me miss that part of PD a little bit. And I think, part of the reason I remembered like how much I missed that part of it was because you see the passion that he has for it. So I did like that part about it. Yeah. That's really good. But that might be it. No, no, that's, that's really good. Um, The, the one thing that I liked about him was that he never beat around the bush. Cause ain't nobody got time for that. He always just cut right to the chase and basically was like, you know, you're pissing me off and this is why let's move on. So I did appreciate that about him. Now that we got that out of the way, um, (laughs) I just wanted to prove that we could do it. We could say something nice. So yeah, it's not just blind hatred towards him. It's just, yeah. I don't have anything articulate to say. All right, let's just. What I could almost argue, I mean, like we'll talk, we'll talk about this a lot more, especially as we get more on into the episode. But I feel like I was, I mean, especially you, I think you as someone who watched it week 
after week after week at that point. Whereas me, I binge through this part. So I, it was easier for me to like, it, I didn't have as much buildup, but I feel like at this, like this episode especially is a really big turning point. And like the, did you like Roman for the part he was on or did you not? Cause I feel like if you could get past what he did in this episode and the way he acted, then you probably didn't have a problem with it. But if you were annoyed by him and thought there was a lot more he could have done in this episode, then you probably never recovered from it. And you always hated him from here on out. What if you're like me and all of the Roman moments just made you laugh hysterically? Yeah, that's a special kind of breed, Gina. <laughs> okay, let's just jump right in and we're just, yeah, let's just jump right in. All right, so the last episode called, or the last episode, 209, was entitled Called in Dead. This was their mid-season finale of season two. Basically, it ended with... Roman and Burgess and Roman's ex, Jen. Roman's ex, Jen, she was riding along with them for the day because she had the dog. So basically they were working as part of the canine unit. They go to do this one last check on this house and Roman and Jen are arguing because they are. And Burgess, like the rest of us, is like, I've had it with your shit. I just want to put you on mute. I'm just going to knock on this door without you. She knocks on the door and she gets shot. And that is how we begin this episode. And that was a mid-season finale, right? It was. It was. So we had to go Damn. like a couple weeks without knowing what happened. And I clearly remember this. Marina teamed up with Derek that night to troll the shit out of us. And so immediately after that episode was over, Derek tweeted and was like, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Marina. And Marina was like, thanks. I'll cherish this forever. I was like what oh my god oh yeah no i remember that i remember that crazy okay so crazy we start this episode and it's like the immediate aftermath of what's going on and long story short and we'll get to this because we're going to talk about the case first and then we're going to talk about all the other juicy stuff so there's a body dissolving in acid in this house no big deal body dissolving in acid totally casual just acid bath Okay, so the team identifies the body they find in this bathtub, and it's Luther Markov. He's dean of psychology at some nearby college. Atwater discovers that the tags on his vehicle don't belong to him, but instead belong to a Travis Weber. So Linstead, Ruzik, and Voigt, they go to this bike shop, and they they meet the bomb squad there, and they're met with another rig and another body. Okay, two things I want to point out here, though. One, Halstead rolls up to the scene with, like, that thigh holster, and it's, like, oh. Really? Everything. I like, yeah. I gotta go back and watch that. Oh, it's, yeah, that's, like, the first thing I noticed. Let me see if I can pull okay, this up on my phone. Of all, Keep talking. <laughs> second of all, can we briefly touch on how they end up getting into the bike shop? So, <laughs> the bomb unit tells Boyd, like, once they figure out that it's another rig set up, bomb unit's like yeah it's gonna take a while to disarm this and Boyd's like nah ain't nobody got time for this shit so he goes he tells everyone to grab their shields and then he goes in his car takes out the car manual and he's like oh this will probably work and he throws the car manual at the door therefore setting off the rig and I don't know if I'm more impressed with this or think Boyd's crazy for not letting the bomb unit disarm this thing safely when they've already seen what it did to Burgess Okay. If it were to go wrong. You know what was so funny about this when I watched it, when I rewatched it for this episode, was 
he goes and gets the car manual right after he tells everybody he's like go get your shields so they get their shields out and he goes and grabs the manual and for a split second i was like is this motherfucker gonna use a car manual in lieu of a shield and then i finally remembered i was like oh he throws it out the door (laughs) (laughs) but i was like i said i just like i don't know if i'm like impressed with this thinking that like He's just going to be like, oh, yeah, like, we're just going to go ahead, do it. I'm going to take this car manual, like, fuck it, I don't care. Or if he's, like, crazy. I don't know if I'm impressed or not, but I was just like, no, nah, we got to talk about this. Because he's like, ain't nobody got time for this shit. And I'm just like, okay, boy, you do you. And I like how he usually is against any member of his team being like, I'm going to do this solo. And they're like, okay. Um, but then he's like, mm, fuck it, I'm just going to throw this book at the door myself. He does that, I mean, I would put it in the outline later on, like, when we talk about the very opening sequence of this episode, but Floyd does it again, too, like, he tells not the the team not to do anything stupid, and then he goes and does that stupid thing, and I'm just like, okay. Yes! He goes and does the stupid (laughs) thing. Okay, I pulled the episode up on my phone. Oh, shit, sorry. I'm trying to, like, turn this down here, okay? I'm trying to catch Halstead with this thigh holster. Let's see. It's, like, as soon as they roll up, because then Halstead goes around the back, so it's, like, as soon as the scene starts. All right, all right, all right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the thigh holster. Hang on. <laughs> no, it's fine. Only on our podcast do things like thigh holsters hmm. matter. Oh, hello. Oh, it's like around his it? leg. Yeah, I see it. I found it. <laughs> I just like, oh, I don't know why that's so attractive, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> know why but it is yeah i i i I, yeah i get it i get it just not bad had had to bring it up never change jay halstead never change (laughs) i love it yeah so they find this dead body in the bike shop it's travis weber weber's wife is brought in and reveals that markov worked with weber's father isaac so isaac's a college professor antonio finds a restraining order that the college professor filed against a student. The student's name is Spencer York. So they go visit Isaac Weber's teaching assistant. York had a meltdown while defending his thesis, which, I mean, that just sounds like any normal grad student to me. But (laughs) the topic of the thesis is about spheres of influence and pretty much like the ability to transfer psychological trauma onto others. So York got kicked out of school at some point. And so he took out his anger on Weber's, like, sphere of people. And I just did air quotes like you guys can see me. <laughs> I don't know. The only thing that I find worth noting here is that when they go talk to the, t- the teacher's assistant, they pull up some video and Jay goes close to the screen. And it's like a total severed eyes moment because I'm just like, hi, mm-hmm. Jay's eyes. How are you? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. They look blue in this episode. That's about it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So York is apprehended after an explosion at his place, which we'll get to because there's a lot of funny stuff in there. But right around that time, they realize that Weber's wife, Susanna, is MIA. And still, still, still MIA. And Weber's like so chill about this, too. Voight's like, where's your wife? He's like, I don't fucking know. He's like super chill about it. And Voight's like, uh, you may want to like tell me things. I don't know. Yeah, he's like, otherwise I'm going to think you're a suspect. Like, usually husbands that have missing wives are, like, clamoring with every kind of detail they can think of. And this guy's not. So, Boyd's like, maybe you're a suspect. So, Susanna's basically, like, fresh out of HGTV. She's a real estate agent. She flips houses. That stuff. 
So all they find is a phone number in Spencer York's wallet. Jay calls it, thinking it's a clue. Nothing happens. So Voight, Halstead, and Roman, they go into this house. They find her. This is just, I totally forgot that that was this episode. This (laughs) poor woman is strapped to a chair, rigged up in some sort of crazy bomb in her underwear. Yeah. The craziest thing about me, and I still, like, flinch every time I watch this episode, even though I know it's coming, is when they take the step and whatever sensor it is that makes the opera music go off. Yes. It's just, like, every time I know the opera music's coming, but I still, like, it goes off, and I'm, like, I just, like, jump. My, that is my favorite, not my favorite part of that episode, but I love the way they (laughs) lead into commercial on that act, because, like, Voight steps on it, and Susanna screams, and I'm sure Roman would scream if he could. Um, but basically, the music like plays out, and then they go to commercial. So funny, so funny. Oh my really? God. I didn't because I wasn't watching this live. I've never. I don't think I've seen this on TV. This one on TV before. Oh man, it it's a very. I, I don't know. I feel like the writer who whoever wrote this episode must have just watched some sort of like crazy spy movie because. <laughs> That was a moment in PD history. I wonder who did write this episode. Now I'm going to look that up while. We always are like, who wrote this episode? We never look it up beforehand. I don't know. I, I know. We really should. I know. But uh, this poor woman. And I mean, I, I understand. Because like if I were stripped down to my underwear, like at, in With some random. possible bomb on the back of my on my back yeah i would be too i don't know if i'd be worried about the bugs as or the bugs as the bomb as much as i'd be worried about the bugs i'd be like it's an abandoned building like i don't want to be in here and if, it, if there's no ventilation in texas i'm dying of the heat is basically what's happening in chicago who knows the weather but i don't think i'd be so much worried about the bomb i'd be like get me the fuck out of here okay the writer for this episode was michael weiss got it me don't know who that is but yeah just oh but this poor girl i i shouldn't laugh at this but this is one of the moments in the episode that made me laugh i'm terrible i'm a bad person i don't know (laughs) but yeah oh god so yeah this poor girl she wails throughout the entire ordeal and the only one who's like cool about it throughout this whole ordeal is jay so i mean she's terrified she's screaming as much as she can And Jay is just like eyes on the prize, totally focused. Roman decides to be the one to talk her down. And I'm sorry, but Roman is the last person I want up in my face in a crisis. Yeah, I'd rather have Voight. And that says a lot. I mean, yeah, Voight or Jay, but definitely not Roman. I, I, if I were in that position and screaming my head off and Roman was like, take a deep breath, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, go away. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. But yeah, so Jay gets the detonator out of the C4, the C4 out of the detonator. There's bomb stuff. And Jay takes care of it because, of course, he does. And yeah, that's about it case-wise. But now we can get into, like, the real good stuff. Okay. <laughs> so this is everything else but Lindsay and the task force. Okay. So, again, <laughs> this was just after the mid-season finale of season two. Burgess has been shot. Whatever. That's that. Brenna, I'm going to make another drink. You take it from here. Okay, you sure you don't want to start? Because this is, I feel like, prime Roman stuff. I mean, if you want me to. I just figure the listeners get sick of hearing me talk. 
No, I'll, I got it. Okay. I can do it. I just figured you would have something to say about, but you can say it after. Okay. So, we start off, the episode starts off, and it's a good, like, solid, I want to say, like, three minutes of, like, nobody really talking, just Roman going through the different parts of this house and, like, the different traps. So, it's pitch black. We end up finding, I mean, this is where we find the body dissolving in acid. There's a tripwire that triggers death metal music. There's a bullet rigged inside a dresser or TV stand thing. I don't even know what it was. Um, and it's just one after the other. And it's just like silent. I mean, it's silent pretty much except for Roman going through these different things. And even though I, I mean, again, we don't, we're not fans of Roman, but this opening scene was very well shot and very well done. I'm a big fan of this opening scene. This is a scene that I have been dying to see the script for forever because it's all action. Ooh. Yeah. There's no dialogue. It's all action. Yeah. No, it's like three solid minutes of just action. Yeah. I'm dying to see the I script would love for this to see episode. That. Yeah. Dying Ooh, to. That's awesome. Yeah. But basically, I mean, Roman's sweating, like Gina pointed out, like it's like the opening minutes of Top Gun, but it's fitting that his punishment for getting this partner shot is having to go through this house of horrors. He deserves it. And so everyone starts pulling up, you know, Intelligence, Voight, Adam, everybody. And Voight, Voight goes, so they hear the shotgun go off, the one that's triggered, that triggered from the dresser. And, but obviously they don't know that. And so they hear the gun go off, and Voight's like, everyone, stay back. Like, nobody do anything. And then, of course, Voight tells everyone to stay back, but he goes in with no backup, no nothing. Like, whatever. (laughs) Um, So Voight goes up the stairs, and he's very cautious, because obviously Voight has no backup. And he finds Roman hiding in the corner of the bedroom, and Roman tries to explain everything, and yada, yada, yada. Can we just momentarily laugh at the fact that Roman's huddled up like a scared little boy? Can I laugh at that, or is that just harsh? You can do whatever you want, Gina. Okay, keep talking. <laughs> I don't want to put my foot in my mouth just yet. Yeah, I'd say save it. Um, <laughs> so, like you said, intelligence had all showed up. And, I mean, Adam, of course, so we got to talk, start talking about Rusek. So, Adam, he couldn't go full-on, like, uh, boyfriend mode at this point, just because, like, he was on the job and Voight needed him to, you know, be there for backup but obviously he's still concerned and whatever but they're loading Burgess into the ambulance and again Adam can't go with her because he's on the clock and they're not actually like husband wife fiancés whatever at this point so of course he goes with Burgess fucking Roman and I I know so Roman rides with Burgess to Lakeshore bed I think it's Lakeshore at this point um, who, but who really the fuck knows? Um, and Jen offers this. Jen had gone to the hospital, met them there. Jen offers to stay while Roman goes and finds the shooter. But Roman responds by telling her like he never really wants to see her again. Like they're bad luck for each other. Yada yada yada. And he, then this, it's that expression that's like, what's that expression about you attract more flies with honey than vinegar, something like that? There's some expression. What? It, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll find it. I'll find it. But okay. I like how Jen is like, I'm going to help you. And Roman's like, mm, but fuck off. No. That's, yeah. That's... But then my favorite part, 
is Jen's offering to stay so Roman can go do this? And he's like, no, I don't need your help. And then he still leaves himself. Because you go back to the scene and there's like this building tension between Ruzik and Roman. And my point was that why did Roman go to Lakeshore if he was just going to end up leaving pretty much immediately to go back to the crime scene? Like, let someone who's actually going to stay at the hospital go with Burgess. Whether it's Jen or whoever else. But, like, why? Roman, just why? I I just, I want to give Voight the benefit of the doubt there and just be like, you know, she probably, he probably wanted a familiar face with her, but... Again, if this is happening to me, Roman's the last person I want to see. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Like I said, I mean, the tension between... So, Roman goes back to the scene. There's tension building between Ruzik and Roman. Ruzik says to Lindsay, he's like, how do you let this... Like, I mean, he says, like, how do you let the psycho... How do you let the psycho get the jump on you twice? And Roman's like, there was a tripwire. And Ruzik's like, we know. Like... (laughs) I love that everyone in intelligence in this episode is treating Roman like a scared little chicken shit. And I really shouldn't. I should be like, you guys need to be nice and like have some empathy. But they're so you can just tell. And it's funny what you were saying earlier about how like Roman preferred to be a a patrolman and really appreciated the essence of that. Something you see in this episode is that Roman wasn't really cut out for intelligence. He can't really hang with them. No, and I think, but I think that's the thing. I think not every policeman can. Not every policeman is meant to get promoted to a special unit, whether it's intelligence or vice or whatever it is. Like, not every policeman is cut out for that. Like, some are cut out to be really, really good patrolmen. And we need patrolmen. And I think that's where Roman was good at. Like, Roman was good at the day-to-day kind of beat cop stuff and, like, no, nah, he no, he got intelligence in trouble more every time he was in intelligence. So I don't know why. He, <laughs> he, whatever. Like I'm thinking about the time. Remember the time he got Antonio like in a bad mess with his like side security business. Oh, you mean with Layla and Asher? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's their names. I remember because yeah. he didn't perform an international background check. Yeah, all the things. Um, but yeah, so I think that, I mean, I think that's why, like, I can appreciate the only really thing I can appreciate Roman is that, like, he was passionate about his job because he knew that's where he was good at. So then Ruzik goes to the hospital and we get adorable Berzik moment number one. (laughs) And he really doesn't know what to do other than, like, sit there and just hold her hand. But I love, 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 love how Adam was just there, like, every free chance he got. Because he's the best. Yeah. He's the best. Also, is this where the deleted scene with Atwater was supposed to take place? I would assume so. Because it happened. I mean, it's. I'd have to go back and look at the picture. But she's like a. Is she out of it? She is, right? She's out of it. And he's just sitting there. I would assume so. Unless there was like time number two that he was there before she woke up. That is the deleted scene that I will forever want to see. Well, and I feel like for me, especially as someone who was, like, I mean, not that I was ever, like, out on Burzik, but as someone who, like, just needed more of them in order to, like, fully appreciate them, I feel like this would have just made so much more sense, especially when, because I felt like, so in 301, when after they're engaged and they're talking about the wedding, I think it's in 301, where Adam asks Atwater to be his best man. Mm-hmm. 
I felt like that was so out of left field. Because, I mean, obviously I knew he and Kim were friends. Like, Atwater and Burgess were friends. But I never had really seen, like, a moment, at least between the three of them, or him and Atwater really up until that point. So I was just like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, where did that come from? But I feel like this would have been a moment where I was like, oh, well, at least they'd had that moment in 210, whatever. Like, it would have just made more sense. And I'm sure there would have been said something said well in there that, like, would have been like, oh, well, Dutch should be at water. Or at least, like, it wouldn't have seemed so out of left field for me. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see this deleted scene. And I remember I got kind of fed up with wondering a couple years back. And I tweeted Marina, and I was like, can you at least just, like – give us a summary of what was supposed to happen in this scene. And she said, she's like, if I remember it correctly, I think both of them were supposed to be hiding from the other that they were crying, which is adorable. And so Rue's water. Oh my God. I know. I know. I will forever want to see Especially just now, like thinking about where Rue's water started. Like I said, like they kind of came out of left field and like now, like where they are in their friendship. Oh my gosh. For sure, for sure. And I've been re-watching a lot of season one lately just because with the move and I've been like running around and everything, I just need like background noise. And so I've had yeah. a lot of season one going and it's just so funny to watch them interact like strangers. And, you know, Adam will be doing something. He's like, hey, Atwater, like, can you grab me this? And I'm like, oh, they're besties now. Yeah, it's crazy. They've come so far. But I would assume that's where this is supposed to be. Yeah, I'm just. Especially since she's like unconscious still. That, that scene just kind of lives in, like, a headcanon inside my head of, like, adorableness. I just, oh, I want to see it so bad. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. But so the next day, Roman pops into Voight's office. And, I mean, at least we kind of think Voight goes way too easy on him. Um, Voight's like, I wasn't at the scene, but I know you did everything you could. He basically talks about how he's, like, good police and yada, yada, yada. And Voight's like, this is how you make it up to her. Like, you take the guy you take down the guy who hurt her um and there's like a moment after this where roman goes back into the bullpen back to the bullpen and in the background you just hear rusa talking about kim's injuries which Um, i love because it's kind of a way to be like in your face roman yeah yeah like roman has to be reminded of it everywhere he goes Granted, with that said, however, I mean, is there really anything he could have done differently that would have prevented her from being shot? No. And I mean, I figured we were going to talk about that at the end. But no, I, there was I mean, there was nothing he could have done. Like, the only thing that could have gotten her not shot is if she knocked on the door instead. She rang the doorbell, which is what triggered it. Don't police usually knock on the door from, like, the side? You know what I mean? No. Like, okay, so if there's a door (laughs) and then there's like the sides of the door, the cops are usually going to put their backs against the wall and then knock just in case of anything crazy like that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sometimes I think it depends on like whether they're taking, whether they're trying to enter the house or whether they're questioning a suspect. Because, like, I feel like when they're just trying to go to the house to talk to somebody, you never see them answer the door like that. But if they're, like, trying to make, like, force an entry, then I feel like they do. We need to become friends with Looch. So we I can know, we really do. field him all of our crazy questions. But that being said, because it was triggered to the doorbell, I feel like the only way that doesn't go off is if 
she doesn't ring the doorbell. Oh, that's right. It was the doorbell and not the knock. Yeah. But then again, in the other one, the other the one at the bike shop was triggered by like motion. Motion? Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Oh, because it was like a vibration um, sensor. Yeah, it was like a vibration sensor or right. something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if her knocking would have done any. I feel like it was going to – It could, I don't know. I don't know if it was like it was triggered to the doorbell, but like even if she had knocked enough that like it would have done something. I don't know. So. But yeah, I mean, we could assume that it was just the doorbell and that if she had knocked, it could have all – like none of this would have happened. So. It's but just yeah, fun it to blame Roman. Roman's fault. It, but like it's – yeah, it is fun to play Roman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, Gina, do you want to take over? Sure. So at this point, Platt pops by the hospital. And they took Burgess back to the OR because she was developing compartment syndrome, which since I watch a million medical shows, I actually know what that is. Um, yeah, my dad always told me that's like the one serious, like, Especially when it comes to, like, orthopedics and bones and stuff. Like, my dad always told me that's, like, the one serious, serious, like, injury issue, like, when it comes to, like, orthopedics and surgery and kind of, like, emergency that, like, orthopedics can have. Isn't that how people lose limbs sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, super serious. Oh, funny story. Talking about, like, medical shows and, like, how we think we're TV doctors sometimes. So one of the shows I'm binge watching right now is Chuck. Um, it was on NBC from like 07 to 2012. Zachary Levi was in it. Adorable show. But at the end of season three, his co- or at the end of season two, sorry, without spoiling anything, his college roommate is shot. And so Chuck finds him and he basically just like sits there and talks to him. Now, because I watch Chicago Med and I've seen Grey's Anatomy and all these other shows and I watch so much television, this is happening and they're having this heart to heart all the while I'm resisting the urge to look at the TV and be like, put pressure on the wound. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Yeah. That's just, yeah. 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 That was my, that was my Chuck moment. It's a good show though. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> I digress. But yeah, so Platt pops by the hospital and yeah, so they took Burgess back, but it's perfect because we actually get some really good, like, quality story time with Sergeant Platt. So she and Ruzik are sitting there and she just looks at Ruzik and she goes, you know, I was shot in the ass, right? And Ruzik's like, um, what, what, what? And she basically tells this whole story about how, you know, back in the day, lady cops were viewed differently. They basically weren't wanted. So when she woke up, she woke up alone. And that's how we get the title of the episode is that, you know, she just looks at him and she says, I shouldn't have been alone. So another thing worth noting here is that she talks about how she's like, you know, Antonio was interrogating the guy who shot her. But then she goes interrogating. He broke the guy's jaw. (laughs) So she understood that. But to my knowledge, there's more to that story, isn't there? Like, didn't Antonio, like, save her life? That's what Platt told Ava at one point. But I don't. That could have been a different time. I don't know. Wait, Platt said that to Ava? Yeah, she was talking about. Her dad at some point. I don't remember what even season this is. But she was talking about it to Ava. Oh, it was... When she's talking... I think when Antonio was hurt at one point. Like, early on. Like, season one, maybe? Oh, 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 um... Ava, Antonio's daughter. I'm sorry. I took Ava as Dr. Becker. 
Oh, no, no, no. Like Ava. Ava. Antonio's daughter. Yeah. Antonio's daughter. This is yeah. why we don't name characters the same names. I mean, they're not technically the same, but close enough. Close enough. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But yeah. So yeah. Blatt, Platt told that once to Ava. And yeah. There's so I they that. could be technically two separate times. I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to go back and watch that yeah. episode. I, I didn't get that far in season one because I don't usually like it to see these characters injured and hurt. It makes me sad. And I think it's season one. It's definitely so early on. I don't think it's season two. I think it's season one. Antonio is shot at the end of season one of PD. That's it. Because Popo yeah, comes that. back. Oh, great character. Super great character. Super great. So... Ruzik's listening to story time and he's you know he's absorbing it and when Platt tells him the story and she's like you know I was shot in the ass Ruzik's like I'm really sorry to hear that it was just it was a good quality story time moment it was really good so Ruzik gets called away because they get the address to Spencer York's place and so Linstead Roman and Ruzik they go to check out this house now I'm gonna try to recap this part with a straight face but I die (laughs) laughing every single time okay so Linstead, Roman, and Ruzik, they go check out this house. They start climbing this staircase, and one of the stairs triggers a car alarm. Now, it's worth noting that by this point of the episode, Roman is scared shitless. Like, everything terrifies him. Everything. They step on this stair. The car alarm goes off. And Linstead and Ruzik are like, huh, what was that? They look over, and Roman's practically, like, huddled in the corner, like, rocking back and forth. Like, what was that? Just yeah. So Ruzik goes to check out the car, and Linstead or Jay is like, "Yeah, this this panel was loose," and so he like takes apart the panel. There's some sort of rigging there, and Linstead or Lindsay's like, "Oh, whoa, you know, whatever that's happening." And meanwhile, Roman in the corner is like, "Are we gonna call the bomb squad? We should call the bomb squad, guys. Let's call the bomb squad. This is really scary. It's quality." So Ruzik is still checking out this car. And right before commercial, Ruzik lifts up the trunk. And as he's doing it, Roman runs to the sidewalk. And he's like, Ruzik, no! And the top floor of the apartment blows. Now, we get back from break. And Lindsay and Halstead were like way closer to this blast than Roman was. But, okay. So basically the blast happened. And Lindsay and Halstead are like super close. But they just kind of duck. Roman like action movie style dives like a soccer player in the world cup like the blast goes off and roman's like neck kicks back and he's like ah and hits the ground oh it's funny it's just this this, so funny i haven't been able to watch this scene without laughing hysterically we come back from commercial Lindsay and halstead are like hey are you good yeah you're okay awesome great Ruzik comes back and Ruzik's like it was rigged and roman goes i know that's why i said Ruzik, no I'm sorry. I don't know why it's so funny. It's just really funny. And that's when Ruzik finally confronts him. And it's glorious. It's just so great. It's so great. And so Ruzik kind of like network TV style insults him. I don't know. Ruzik turns around. He's like, oh, now you're Johnny on the spot. Which on FX would be like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think at one point you hear Roman be like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm like, well, we're not worried about you hitting Ruzik. We're... We kind of want Ruzik to hit you. hitting you, yeah. yeah. And that's when Lindsay's like, I might hit one of you, like, same team. And she breaks it up. And I'm like, damn it. Just, I really wanted Ruzik to punch him. He, I really wanted it. Like, oh, 
even at some point, like, I mean, granted, this is the first time we want Ruzik to punch him, but I feel like Ruzik really just needed to punch him after the push test. Yes, and you're like, this is for the, like, last year of my half of my life and for you fucking up my mar- or my engagement. Like, bam. You know who would agree with you is Patty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, know. I wish that, like, there had been, I don't know. Maybe, okay, so there's, like, an AU version of this scene in my head where Ruzi actually does it. Maybe there should be an AU version of Roman's last scene where, like, you know when Roman leaves and he's like, Ruzik, you're good police. And they, like, shake hands. Instead of shaking hands, Ruzik should have just gotten up and punched him. Yeah, and been like, this was for breaking up my engagement. <laughs> Get the fuck out! <laughs> okay, is this the place where we can finally discuss and list out all of the reasons why Roman sucks? Yeah, go for it. Because we don't really have much other Roman stuff to touch on in this episode. You gotta help me, though. I don't want to be, like, the hateful one. No, I will. Go, But start. Okay, so the push test, obvi. Um, yeah, the push test is one of them. I just, uh, he's just so abrasive. And he never had anything yeah, nice he's to just, say. He's just very condescending. He, he thinks he's very stuck in his own ways. And sometimes it worked out, and but a lot of the times it didn't. Um, he just always thought that he knew better. And he didn't. That's the thing is he was always dead weight. Like Burgess always had to pick up his slack. Always. Yeah. Although, can I say now I thought of one. No, no, but that even then still didn't turn out too great. I'm thinking of the time I was going to say I had something positive to say about Roman. I was going to talk about the time that he donated the bone marrow to the kid. I don't remember the kid's name. Andrew. And I only know that because I've had it on his background noise. I, yeah, that was positive and that was wonderful, but it was too little too late. By that point, he'd already pissed me off enough that I was like, okay, go do your good thing, but leave me alone. But even then, he somehow found a way. I mean, granted, it wasn't, no, it was still his fault. That he still, it still fucked up and it turned into a case. It did turn into a case. A case where, again, Burgess had to bail his ass out. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, so I was gonna say it was a positive moment, and that one act was a positive moment for Roman. But then it turned and unraveled into like ten other things that were not good. Just none of it was good. None of it was good. And if I remember correctly, with that, I know at the last minute that storyline changed so that the ex-husband had picked up the gun or something. But oh man, they blew that storyline so hard because that was like a mid-season finale, if I remember correctly, where. He goes after What's-Her-Face's ex and shoots the guy, apparently. Yeah, and then they just, like, we're just supposed to kind of assume that it resolved itself. But he was just dead weight in the partnership. And then when he finally did get with Burgess, when he and Burgess finally got together, and he was like, come to San Diego with me, his reasoning was, I love you, probably. I still don't even, nope, I refuse to believe that happened, that, like... They were whatever they were. I nope. That is not canon to me. Nope. <laughs> Didn't happen. No, Didn't I'm happen. With you. I'm with you. It just wasn't. He just. They didn't debut him. They didn't set us up to like him. Which I mean, it's not. I don't want to sit here and be like it's the writer's fault. I don't like to blame things like that. But I mean, you know. But, but like, didn't Derek tell us that 
they were trying to make the warehouse moment like that his like redeeming episode and like it still just didn't work like viewers still didn't buy it yeah because what there was what did he do that redeemed him nothing he was dead weight again but i mean that's what derek told us that they were trying to write him that episode and like at that point he, they had learned the lesson of terms of, like, how to introduce characters that if you tell, if your main character is telling the audience that this is someone you should like and trust, then, like, we as viewers agree with that. But right. if that's not how it is off the bat, when, it, well, when Roman's talking about how he has a beef with Alinsky and we all like Alinsky, then we're like, oh, well, then something's wrong with Roman. And then we just can't get back there yet, ever again. Yeah, see, and I see, like, I feel like with Roman, it was a double whammy because the first thing that happens when he comes in is that he doesn't like that his partner's female. Well, that's going to screw you against about, like, 85% of this fandom. Sorry. But then it's a double whandom, uh, double whandom, double whammy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been drinking. I've been drinking. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a double whammy because then he's got the beef with Olinsky. So it's like, why should we like this guy? And then... Right, like you're, you don't like Burgess and you also don't like Alinsky. Okay, great. Yeah, and then episodes down the line is when he gets Antonio into hot shit, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. It just... And then Ruzik doesn't like him because of this, so like... So you give us like 20 reasons to dislike the guy, and then you try to give us one big reason to like the guy. It's just not gonna work. Well, and Jessica, I think it was Jessica had pointed out in one of her comments to us, wasn't it him that said the whole thing? He was talking to Jay like he wasn't even in Minburb Intelligence, and Jay's like, first of all, it's detective. That is one of my favorite moments ever. Oh, my God, I love that. He's like, it's like his first episode, too. He's like, come on, Jay. And Jay just goes, first of all, it's detective. It's detective. So good. But, like, literally, he, he started off on the wrong foot with, like, every single person of this unit he started on the wrong foot with like the entire city of chicago and the entire fandom there were just too many reasons not to like him i really wish though at this point i really wish we obviously we had the poll going that said it 52 percent said they loved roman i really wish we had someone's perspective on here to understand why like, what they loved about him. Because I feel like, too, we had a lot of people reply comments to us, be like, I wish there was a third option of, like, I didn't hate him, but I also didn't love him. So I wonder where people, like, if we had had a third or even a fourth option of somewhere in between, like, I wonder what the results would have been. Like, if it would have been as just as much love or if it would have been, like, somewhere in the middle. Um, but I really wish we had someone here to represent the, that POV as well. Because I'm just, I'm kind of genuinely curious. Right, and I feel like, I don't, I don't know, I feel like it's, there. It's. I don't want to say, like, it's impossible to be neutral on Roman, but the reason that I knew I was not neutral on Roman and I, in fact, strongly disliked him was because when he was on screen, I just wanted to skip over him and get to the other people. I didn't care. Yes, 100% agree. I 100% agree. Yeah, was, I was just like, I don't need to see this right now. Just get me to the scenes that he is not in. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Just and and this is absolutely nothing against Brian Garrity. Absolutely nothing. He's been in so many things. It's all about Sean Roman and our distaste for him. I was gonna say, I feel like we should draw a distinction. We love Brian Garrity. We just are not fans of Roman. Yes. 
Yes. Just no. And oh, the push test makes me so mad. Like he had no right to do that. And I'm I'm really surprised that Burgess would take relationship advice from Roman. Yeah. But he had no yeah. place. Like it's, it was not his place. Because it's not even like he's was her closest confidant within the department, I would argue at that point. I mean, it was Kevin. I mean, it's always yeah. been Kevin. Right. Right. Even Kevin over Ruzik at that point. At that point, yeah. Now it's probably... Well, now, since they're not together, I would be willing to say it's still Kevin over Adam, but not by much. Yeah. No, for sure. Man. But yeah, it's crazy. I'm trying to think of any other Roman things that I want to say. But I'm sure, I'm sure by episode's end, I will have more Roman things to say. But... The push test. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take relationship <laughs> advice from a guy who dates all of his partners and then all the relationships just end in flames. Right. Like, people can work together and be in a healthy relationship. It is possible. Ladies out there, if a guy looks at you and says, I love you, probably run for the hills. Ditch him. He's not worth it. I feel like that's something. I feel like that's the way they're getting off, uh, like, the way someone in the bachelorette world would get out of it. They'd be like, I love you. Oops, I'm not supposed to say that. So I'll just say I love you. Probably. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Just. So bad. So bad. And like, oh man, I. This is why I want to have a writer on. I just want to be like, why did Burgess and Roman happen? Why? Yeah, we need a writer who is on at that point. We really need our PD writer. Don't be afraid of us PD writers. We don't bite. We just have a lot of questions. That would be good. But yes, that is our comprehensive essay on why Roman sucks. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come up with more later. But oof, he's the worst. Anyway, so we cut towards the end and Burgess finally wakes up. And Ruzik and Platt are both by her side. And this is so classic because... She opens her eyes, Platt's the first person she sees, and so you just see her kind of, like, flinch, and she's like, the hell? And then Ruzik's like, hey, I'm here too, and it's just so cute. So much Burzik, so much adorableness. I die. Yeah. So Platt steps out, but not before giving her some advice. I love this. Platt's like, so next time, just some advice from a superior? Duck. And Burgess is like, that's great advice. Thank you. Like, thanks. So then Burgess is like, well, how long was I out? And so Ruzik's like, well, they had to take you back. You know, you were shot. And so Burgess just kind of takes this moment to mess with him. And she's like, what year is it? Who's the president? What's the internet? And he's like, you're hilarious. It's just such a sweet moment. Oh, my God. And in perfect Ruzik fashion, it's just so Ruzik the way this happens. He just literally squeaks out and I love you. It's so Ruzik. Yeah, I, like, had to go back for, like, I had to go back when I was rewatching it and, like, make sure that that's what he said. Like, it's so quiet and it's just, like, so, like, not really there, but there. It's just, oh, it's adorable. It's so Ruzik. And it's, like, it, 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 I don't know, it kills me even more because, I mean, something we learned after Khan was that there is so much of Patty in Ruzik. So much. And so, you know, you just see the scene and you're just like, oh, they're so adorable. I can't take it. Just yeah, so cute. It's, oh. it's great. 
And, and I this is how, the first I love you, right? Yeah, this is their very first I love you. Yeah, this is their first yeah. and only. Is this their only I love you? God, I feel like there's got to be another one. Did she say I love you when she broke up with him? Did she say I love you when he proposed to her? No. You're telling me they've never said I love you after that. I am willing to say that they don't say it after this scene. Because I can't recall anything where they have. Yeah. Interesting. No. But I love the way Ruzik squeaks it out. And then, of course, Burgess, like, says it confidently. But then I love how Ruzik's like, well, we have that in common. So cute. So good. They're so adorable. Oh, I die. So Voight shows up to the hospital once the case is over. And he shows up with donuts. And he's just like puts the donuts down. And then he's like, well, you'll have to tell me what it feels like sometimes, you know, catching all that lead because I've never had the pleasure. But- Who wants to get shot, Voight? Nobody. Like, fuck off. You know he gets shot after this, right? Huh? Yeah, Voight Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he gets shot in the arm. Yes. I was. I thought you meant like right after this. I was like, what are you talking about? Yes. He walks out of the hospital and boom. It's an episode of Grey's. <laughs> yes. He does get, he gets shot in the arm. But I was like, nobody wants to get shot, Boyd. Like, stop saying you've never had the pleasure of getting shot. Like, fuck off. I mean, obvious sarcasm, but yes. Yeah, never had yes, the pleasure or whatever. Still. So Voight ends up offering Burgess to come up to intelligence since Aaron's spot is open. Despite the fact that she and Ruzik are an item. So I guess this is when everybody kind of figured it out. Minus Platt, because Platt's known for, like, ever. But, I don't know. Years later now, rewatching this episode, I'm like, why would you ask her this when she's fresh out of surgery? Because she's probably looped out of her mind. Of course, she's not going to give you, like, a coherent answer. Because he's Voight, and he's like, I need to replace that spot, like, ASAP. I don't know. I mean, how often after Jin died did Atwater get the spot? Or no, not Jin had died at that point, but Jen leaves and it's like, oh, well. Oh, Kevin replaced Sumner. That's right. I remember Sumner. Oh, Sumner. 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 Not Jin. Jin dies and that's how he leaves. It was Sumner. But like Sumner leaves and he's like, oh, well, okay. Like time to replace it. Yeah. Oh, man. So he, he offers her intelligence and she turns it down. She turns it down. Now, here's my question, though. Did she really feel like she had more to learn on the streets or did Roman get in her head? Oh, Roman definitely got in her head. But I think it's important to point out, I mean, granted, if you've seen PD, you know, like she doesn't turn it down in this moment. She just says, I'll think about it. It's not until the next episode after she gets back on and like goes through everything that or goes through like working the desk and stuff that she's like I'm gonna turn it down like I'm not done like working the streets yet yet another reason to hate Roman yeah but I think Roman got in her head a little bit he was the worst yeah the worst so, yeah, Ruzik wakes up right as Boyd walks out, and Ruzik's like, what the hell was that? And Burgess is just like, it's a nurse. No big deal. The episode ends with Burgess waking up in the middle of the night, and she just kind of stares in the mirror with no makeup on, looking flawless. How do you do that, Marina? Because that is not what I look like in the middle of the night when I'm not wearing makeup. Yeah, for real, though. I look something like a ghost. A ghost. Yeah. So yeah, that's the Burzik stuff. I mean, 
I feel like we went through this really quickly. Are we missing anything? No, I mean, that's it. Roman sucks. That's it. Ruzik is awesome. I miss Berzik. Yeah, I think watching this made me realize, like, how much I'm ready for Berzik to come. I mean, I've always been ready for Berzik to come back. But, like, dear God. I thought we were going to get this, like, an hour, like, a season and a half ago. This was a, this like, when was... Ruzik comes back after his, like, MIA, undercover, whatever that shit was. Like, I really thought at that point it was going to be, like, the time. I'm so sick of these cliffhangers where, like, they kiss and then they never address it again. Yeah. Like, part of me is hoping, and I, I don't want to, like, I don't want this to be, like, a spoiler for my wish list, but I'm kind of hoping Al's death is going to be the thing that, like, brings them back together. Oh, I would be here for that. I'd be so here for that. I just want them to realize, like, they are the ones for each other. Ruzik knows it. Marina. Marina. I start with Marina and not Burgess. Marina and Burgess. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say, which one? Yeah. You're crossing actors That wasn't deliberate. Names. I've just been drinking. But it stands. Because Marina thinks that Ruzik's <laughs> not ready either. Yeah. No, I know. And Patty's, like, bullshit. Oh, yeah. But a lot stronger language than just bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit, I tell you. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that's it. Oh, my goodness. So the last thing to touch on, because this is back in the day. This is season two. So, you know, we got really good stuff back then. Not only do we get, like, Berzik Palooza in this episode, we get some Linstead action, too. We had icon- two iconic Linstead scenes in this episode, and I forgot they took place in this episode. Like, I, I didn't too. pick this episode because there were iconic Linstead stuff. Like, we picked it because we wanted to talk about Berzik, and then also this was a great time to shit on Roman. But, like, <laughs> it also is, like, great Linstead stuff. Oh, my God. There's so much good Linstead stuff. Bryna, would you like to take us through it? Yeah, I'd love to. All right. So, basically, Lin. Context leading up to this episode, Lindsay got offered a spot on a federal task force. She went back and forth for a while, and she finally decided to accept it. But then Burgess gets shot, and Lindsay shows up at the crime scene because she decides, she, you know, she really needs to see this through and find out who did it. So she pushes the task force for a day or two. And her boss, whose name I'm forgetting at the task force, like, shows up at the district, and she's like, I understand if you have to, like, move on and you know pick someone else but she's like that's something i really need to do and he's like no he's like just finish this and then like i expect you to see you at the task force like when you're done anyway so there's that part and his then, name is lang i remembered his name is lang yes it is lang yes so then the other minor part that kind of play it's important it's more important later on um alinsky gifts Lindsay with a flask as like a going away gift and that's really pretty much it, but, like, it it plays a part later on. So, th- like I said, there's two iconic Linstead scenes in this episode. So, the first one is, they're getting ready to go out and find Susanna, and Linstead has this moment, and I just have to read the dialogue, because it's just, like, so good. So, they're putting on their gear, and Jay's helping Aaron get her vest on. So, Jay's like, come on, you're not going to miss this, and Aaron's like, I'm moving to a task force, and Jay's like, there's like a silent up there, like I'm moving up to a task force. 
And Aaron's like, I'm no, I'm saying they see action. It's not like this is the last time I'm going to put on a vest. And Jay's like, no, it's just the last time I'm going to help you get it on right. All the flirt. Oh, it's so good. All the flirting. All the flirting. I just Lynn like. Winston flirting was I so died. underrated. It's so underrated. It's just and the like, last time I'm going to help you get it on right. Yeah, Jay's delivery of that, Jesse's delivery of that line is just, oh my god, it's just like, all the chills. I'm just like, oh my god. Like, Jay's got game. I know, Jay's got game. Jay has mad game. Jay has mad game. It's kind of ridiculous. I miss so much. I know. I do too. But I think I missed them more after this last scene. So the last scene, um, and one of the last scenes of the episode. So the case is over. Lindsay's still kind of hanging around the bullpen. And Halstead teases her about not being able to stay away. But Lindsay just kind of brushes it off saying she forgot her flask that Alinsky had given her. And Aaron's like, you did run out of here pretty quickly when I told everyone I was taking the new gig. And Jay's like, aw, you wanted a goodbye hug. And Aaron's like, that's not what I'm saying. And Jay's like, hey, it's okay to admit you're losing sleep without a goodbye hug. And so then they hug. And Jay just says, he's like, I'll miss you. Hashtag dead. Yeah, like, fuck me up. Um, And we can confirm that Jesse gives good hugs. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we can confirm. Jesse can gives confirm. Great hugs. Jesse gives great hugs, but like, fuck me up. I think I forgot about the part where he said like because I remember that like you wanted a goodbye hug and like that whole part of it. I think I forgot that he says I'll miss you afterwards after they hug. Yeah, I don't remember that. No, but like he does, and I'm just like, oh my god, stop! I miss them. I miss them so much. And I feel like I have these moments with Linstead where I feel like if it's been enough time and I haven't talked about it or rewatched anything in a while, I feel like I'm like, okay. Like, maybe I've, you know, like, finally, like, settled to a point where I'm like, I'm okay with it. The fact that they're not together and will never be together again and whatever. And then I rewatch one old scene and I'm like, fuck me up. Like, right? what the hell? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm good. No biggie. And then, like, one thing happens. I'm like, oh, shit. When USA reruns them and they pick whatever season, even the smallest of Linstead moments, I'm like, oh, my God, I die. I miss them so much. It's just every moment is just a killer with them. Well, and it's just, like, even seeing, like, whenever con-type things happen and, like, seeing, like, the Linstead pictures, like, with... Sophia and Jesse, I'm just like, fuck. Right? Like, it's a fucking picture of the two of them in the same, like, space. And I'm just like, fuck. I hear you. I'm just like, shit. Yeah. They were so good. I miss the early seasons, man. Like, I'm not complaining because the seasons now are fantastic. But it's just. They're just fantastic in a different way. Yeah, it's like for nostalgia's sake, you know? 
But even the, I mean, even just like comparing episodes, like both of them are so good, but the tone is so different. Like this, I mean, they've always said like these are a little bit lighter. There was a little bit more comedy. Not that it was ever a comedic show, but like a little bit more comedy. Just a lot lighter and different. And now, like I said, it's still good, but it's very dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. And very yeah. serious. But I mean, I mean, I also think, I mean, this show started in what, 2014? 13 or 14. January yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. Like, the world was very different in January of 2014 than it is in currently in July of 2018. Isn't that so crazy to think about that the world was like a completely different place in 2014? And I would dare say like a more pleasant place in 2014. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think about that, especially in January 2014. I mean, that was the start of my second semester of college. So literally in just the years that I was in college, like, look how much the world changed. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that all we've got for 210? Yeah, I think that's it. Man, we got through that quickly. It's because, like, once you, like, summarize the case as fast as you did, like, you can, like, knock the case out, like, very quickly with this one. Because, like, yeah. it's intricate, but, like, once you, like, actually, like, once we got to the point where we, like, found, a re- like, your old recap that you had written of this episode and, like, just kind of used that, like, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, listeners, we did find an old recap of this episode that I wrote for really late reviews about four years ago. Uh, we'll have to tweet that just because it's funny. Um, there's also a screenshot of a tweet that I sent Derek during a Q&A about Roman and um, also, like, quality. That's really feedback. funny. It's really funny. It's I just really got to funny. the point. I was like, why does Roman suck? And yeah, Derek was like, no. Did you have your like TV him. account at that point? I did. I did. Yeah, I've had that account. Is there a reason why you didn't tweet it on that account versus your other, your per, like. My personal? Other I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because I was in a meeting when the Q&A came down and when Derek's Q&As happen, which everybody knows this, you've got about a split second to submit a question if you're going to be within the top seven. So I got the notification and I pretty much sent it from whatever came up first. And that was what came up first was my personal account. Gotcha. Because I was in a meeting. Don't tweet gotcha. from meetings at your job. It's not a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Because I was just going to say, like, I was like, if you didn't, I mean, if you hadn't had your TV account at that point, I was like, oh, well, that would make sense. But like, I, yeah. I have very awesome, wonderful friends, but I figured I would spare them the hell of having to like wade through all of my TV tweets. So that's when I decided to separate accounts and be like, one is for my soccer tweets, one is for my TV tweets. (laughs) See, I, I feel like I should have done that. Like, I feel like I should have had like, the basketball like sports whatever else and then like pop culture but like at this point too late (laughs) yeah not worth it yeah so pretty much pretty much my personal twitter is all sports talk and then my tv twitter is mostly all tv although there will be times that i tweet about harry potter and i'm like i don't know what to tweet this from because it's not technically tv but like it's not sports so but whatever (laughs) Yeah, I was in a meeting at work, and I was waiting for the Q&A, and yeah, I am so smart yeah. as some routine. Like a good adult, I sit around waiting for Twitter Q&As. But that was when they weren't on Sundays, because now they're, like, exclusively on Sundays for the most part. No, this is when Derek used to do them twice a week, Wednesday and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, 
I'm still grateful for the fact that, you know, one of the creators of our shows does weekly Q&As. Like, you don't get that with a lot of showrunners. I know. Remember that time he, like, randomly tweeted us and was like, hey, I'll answer five questions that you have. And we're like, okay. I was also at work that day and pretty much dropped everything. That was great. <laughs> yeah. That was, oh, great afternoon. Well so spent. So great. The group text lit up. You guys were like, guys, guys, guys. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. But yeah, so oh. I think that's about all we've got for this episode, which is crazy. I really hope we covered this in the depth that we wanted to, because, I mean, we really wanted to deep dive and dissect Roman and Berzik and just really get in our feels. I hope we did that justice. I feel very satisfied. And I feel like, though, I feel like it's not even that we wanted to, like, dissect Roman. It was just more we wanted to yell about Roman. We wanted to get our feels out. Yeah. Yeah, so... As always, guys, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. We've been trying to be more active across social media with all the behind the scenes stuff that's been coming down because let's just face it, our casts are very, very funny people. Um, I'm still dying over that video Nick Gelf has posted the other day with like his hyperextended knees and like the puppet thing he was doing and Tori was just like, uh, what? That's literally so us. It's kind of not even funny. Oh, it's so us. That is entirely something i would do and you would be like gina focus please like can you be an adult for a second yeah, <laughs> yeah. just for a brief second can you can you grow up for like a moment please <laughs> so funny. yeah yeah and so you know we've been trying to update the behind the scenes stuff guys if you like the show and you like what we're doing which we really hope you do please leave us a rating and review on itunes we would greatly greatly appreciate that but yeah, we're all over social media. Hit us up any way you want to. It doesn't even have to be TV or Chicago related. Our inbox is open. You can talk to us about literally anything you want. Um, yeah, we're meetusatmollies at gmail.com. Tweet us individually or follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. So the tentative plan is that we're going to take next week off. Um, I'm doing something. We are? Yeah, next week's the scavenger hunt. Oh, right. I forgot scavenger hunt was next week. And you I had got something my... else going on too, didn't you? Not next week. I don't know. I, I, I August will be, is cray. I will be doing something in one of my other fandoms. Cough, supernatural cough. Um, yeah, I forgot I forgot scavenger hunt was next week. I thought it was. I keep forgetting that next week is the last week of July. Like, it, in, like August. I'm like, hello. Um, I just, I, yeah sorry isn't that so crazy i know it's insane like where did the summer go no exactly the summer is like flying by also so we're recording this on wednesday night the 25th which means tomorrow is thursday the 26th which officially marks two months until the show's return it's crazy like and i'm thinking about it just in terms of i know we're working on some special things that we're hoping to kind of announce around our one year anniversary which is the september 1st and that's like our birthday away I know, our birthday, September 1st. We but, like figure out what we're going to do for our birthday. I know, we're working on some things. But, I just inter- like, our birthday is in a month, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, a month is going to fly by. Yeah, for sure. So fast. But, yeah, so that's about all we've got for tonight. Um, you guys can always find us on Twitter. You know, we, you know we will talk to you guys on social media. But, yeah, everybody have a great weekend, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.